going to look at the greatest poem that has ever been written. Uh, as far as um, J.P. Macbeth is concerned, he's a biblical scholar, and that was how he described it. Uh, this is one of the most loved passages in the Bible. And when someone is sad or um, burdened or grieving, it is probably always the most read passage in the Bible. It just has six verses, 108 words, at least if you read it in the King James Version, 108 words, and it has 12 life-changing promises. And it's, of course, the 23rd Psalm. So I invite you to turn to that in your Bibles. We so often think of the 23rd Psalm at a time of death or, or at a funeral or something like that. And yet this Psalm is actually so much about life. It is about living and serving the Lord and walking with the Lord and following Him and um, having an intimate relationship with the Lord who is our shepherd and who walks with us through all things of life. And so I um, felt like it was definitely appropriate for us to look at that as we consider the new year and our life that we are beginning in the new year uh, with um, the Lord as Christians and as a church body. And I'm going to read it from the King James Version. It just seems right to do that. Uh, it's certainly so familiar and probably the way you have memorized it. So it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In Florence, Italy, you will find an 18-foot statue of David. It has been called, quote, a masterpiece of Renaissance sculpture, and it's considered to be one of the world's most treasured works of art, this um, sculpture of David. Uh, the work is so well done by Michelangelo, by the way. The work is so well done that uh, it's been said that if you look at uh, this statue, you could feel as if David could just begin to move at any point or um, to speak. Um, it is so lifelike and so striking, this masterpiece that Michelangelo did. David is who wrote the 23rd Psalm uh, near the end of his life. And you think back on all that David did and saw through life, good and bad. Um, he had a lot of job descriptions, we could say. He was poet, he was musician, armor bearer, giant killer, national hero. He was captain, the king's son-in-law. He was fugitive, warrior, adulterer, murderer, worshiper, prophet. And he was king. And it was near the end of his life as he looked back on his days as a shepherd boy that he wrote uh, the 23rd Psalm. And it's in those memories of his life, uh, that time as a shepherd boy, that, that he wrote about. And it's what we'll see tonight, uh, that he reminds us that God is our shepherd. He, and in doing that, he is our protector and provider. The Lord is our rest. 
He's our friend, and He's our hope. And that's what we'll see tonight as we study this together. So let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we come to You and we praise You for just who You are, that You are all those things and so much more. Lord, that You're our hope in the worst of times. You're our friend who gets us through the valleys. You're our rest when life seems so hectic. Lord, every moment of every day, you're our provider and you're our protector. And so we praise you for who you are. And as we study your word, as we study the 23rd Psalm, as you inspired David to write it, Lord, that we would um, hear from you tonight in all of those ways. And as we consider the, the new year to come that has begun, uh, that this would be... Um, reminder of, of who you will be every day of 2020. And so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The 23rd Psalm has been called the He and the Me Psalm. He and me. Eleven times David refers to the Lord. He. And 17 times David refers to himself, uh, to me. It's the He and the Me Psalm. Uh, and it's called that just again because it's such a, a personal psalm and it's a reminder of how uh, keenly aware God is of the details of our life. Uh, everything that you have done today, God knew about. The smallest things that happened to you and the biggest things that have happened to you today. Um, the things that will come in 2020, God is aware of what's going to happen. He knows you. He is not some far off God who is not aware. He knows you. And he loves you and he is with you. In verse 1 there, David tells us, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is a provider to us and a protector in all things. The New Living Translation says in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need, is how it says it. In the message, the paraphrase, it says, God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing, is the way it says it. And that's so true, isn't it? Um, we have all we need in God, our provider. Missionary Hudson Taylor knew that that was true. On the mission field, he wrote in his journal these words, Our Heavenly Father is a very experienced one. He knows very well that his children wake up with a good appetite every morning. He sustained three million Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years. We do not expect he, will, expect he will send three million missionaries to China, but if he did, he would have ample means to sustain them all. Taylor said, depend on it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. And David said, I shall not want. That phrase, I shall not want, is only used one other time in the Bible, and that's found in Deuteronomy 2.7. If you want to turn to that um, quickly, we'll read that together. Deuteronomy 2.7. Again, it's the only other time in, Bible, in the Bible that I shall not want. That particular phrase is used. And it's, it's here that we see how the Lord shepherded His people through the wilderness into the promised land. And how God met every single need. That's what we read of in Deuteronomy 2.7. And it says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand... He knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you, and you have lacked nothing. And that's the phrase there. 
it's been said that in life we may not have all we want, but with God we have all we ever need. God is our provider, and He is our protector. And we see that certainly as we think of sheep and read of sheep um, in this particular passage. David thought back about the sheep in his flock as a shepherd boy. And as you know, sheep are so defenseless. They have um, no means of protecting themselves. A recent study was done of the sheep that are in the United States. And um, each year there are about 200,000 sheep killed by some kind of predator in the United States, if you can believe that. Terry, does that surprise you? No. Terry, uh, sheep are just defenseless. Um, they are killed by coyotes. It may be dogs. It may be wolves. maybe foxes, bears. It can even be eagles or bobcats. Um, but there are that many sheep killed in the United States each year. Uh, and without the Lord, uh, we are completely helpless and defenseless, aren't we? The Bible says Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The good shepherd, the Lord Jesus, our almighty God, he is our protector. He is our provider in every physical and every spiritual way, and we shall not want. Look at verse 2. This reminds us how the Lord is our rest. It says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Author Philip Keller writes about a strange thing about sheep um, that is part of their very makeup. It is almost impossible for a sheep to lie down unless four things happen. He says these four things must happen. They must be free from all fear. A sheep won't lie down if it's afraid. Secondly, Keller says uh, they must be free from what he calls friction with other sheep. Thirdly, he says they must be free from flies or parasites if they are to rest. And lastly, they have to be free from hunger. It takes those four things for a sheep to be able uh, to lie down. And as we think about it, it's the shepherd who helps the sheep in those areas. It's, it's the shepherd who um, provides relief to those problems. Um, they're dependent on the shepherd to meet their needs so that they can rest. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures beside the still waters. When we don't do that, life gets complicated, doesn't it? A poem was written by Marcia Hornick, I think is how you say her last name. It's been called Psalm 23 for the Workaholic, and it says this, The clock is my dictator, I shall not rest. It makes me lie down only when exhausted. It leads me to deep depression. It hounds my soul. It leads me in circles of frenzy for activity's sake. And even though I run frantically from task to task, I will never get it all done, for my ideal is with me. Deadlines and my need for approval, they drive me. They demand performance from me beyond the limits of my schedule. They anoint my head with migraines. My in-basket overflows. Surely fatigue and time pressure shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the bonds of frustration forever, says Marcia Hornick. 
And that is what life is like when we don't rest in the Lord, isn't it? Verse 2 says, He restores my soul. I love this. Uh, Sheep have a problem that's called being cast. When a sheep is cast, it means that they have fallen down or they have rolled over in such a way that they can't get back up. Maybe they're in a low place on the ground or somehow they've rolled onto their back and they can't get their feet steady. Maybe it's the heavy wool or their their body weight that they can't get back up and that's called being cast for a sheep. And what happens is the sheep will start to panic and they may even begin to wave their feet in the air. And what will happen is they will begin to lose the blood circulation in their legs and then they'll actually start to get bloated and on a hot day they could die within just a few hours of being cast. And so what the shepherd has to do when they find the sheep is to take the legs of the sheep and rub them, gets the circulation going, eventually lifting the sheep slowly back up onto its legs and holding it steady. They keep rubbing its legs until the sheep finally gets its strength back and it's then that the shepherd has restored the sheep. For us, aren't you glad that God is with us to gently and slowly lift us up and bring the strength back to our legs and help us to be steady as we walk this road of faith in life. He is our rest. He restores our soul. He's protector, provider. And verse 4 reminds us how the Lord is our friend. What's it say? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. If we look closely at the grammar here, it changes. David has spoken in the third person up until this point. He's he's speaking of he. He's speaking about the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Um, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. But it's at this point he speaks to the Lord. David speaks in first person. He says, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. We could say, for you art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And isn't it in the valley so often that we realize that we need to reach out and look to the Lord and speak directly to Him. And we realize that He is right there with us. When the valleys are so deep, He is there. He's our friend. And look at something else that says there in verse 4. It says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. This could be translated even or the word when. In other words, yea, when I walk through the valley or even when I walk through the valley. Valleys are a given in life. It's not an if, but it's a when for us. It's going to happen that we'll be in the valley. And the Lord walks us through it. He doesn't take us in there and leave us. He sees us through it. In his book, You'll Get Through This, Max Licato writes this. Whatever it is, you'll get through this. You think you won't, but we all do. We fear the depression will never lift. The yelling will never stop. The pain will never leave. 
We wonder, will this gray sky ever brighten? Will we ever exit this pit? Yes, deliverance is to the Bible what jazz music is to Mardi Gras. It's big, bold, and everywhere, says Lakato. Out of the lion's den for Daniel, the prison for Peter, the whale's belly for Jonah, the grave for Lazarus, and the shackles for Paul, God gets us through. Through the wilderness, through the valley of the shadow of death. Through is a favorite word of God's, he says, and it says in Isaiah 43, 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned you will get through your valley, says Max Licato. And what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. He is our friend. And he is our hope, verse 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. What hope that that gives us. God's goodness and his mercy follow us every day of our life. And look there, it's, he uses, at least in the King James, surely. Surely is a statement of faith. It is a word of confidence. It is a um, way that we say something is certain when we say, surely, goodness and mercy will follow me, David said. And that gives us hope. Because what is God's goodness and what is God's mercy? God's goodness uh, is defined in the Bible as being God's character and His actions. Psalm 119.68 says, You are good and you do what is good. And that says it all right there. God by His very nature is good. He is good in and of Himself. He is goodness. It is who He is. And everything He does is good. What is God's mercy? The word mercy translated here means loving kindness, tender affection. In fact, the best translation would say, Surely goodness and love shall follow me all of the days of my life. It's this sense of God's tenderness towards us. It's this loving kindness, tender affection. That's God's mercy. And when it says there, they follow us, it's interesting, this is actually a military term. David's using a military word to say what God's goodness and mercy do. And it's not just that they follow us. It's a word that says that they pursue us. They chase after us. God's goodness and His mercy. Whatever the trial may be in life, God is a loving God caring for us. And He is with us and chasing after us with His goodness and His mercy. And that gives us hope. A child named Joseph Merrick was born in England on August the 5th, 1862. Before he turned two, his mother began to notice a strange swelling on his lips. And then the swelling continued and eventually he had strange swelling all over his body. It got worse and, his, and worse. And his skin became very thick in all of these parts of his body, from his head to his feet. There were these growths that stuck out 
from the skin. It was really hard to look at. A little child. And yet people considered him to be some kind of monster back then in 1862. And so people began to forget that he even had a name, Joseph Merrick. And as he grew into a man, they simply called him the Elephant Man. He was thought to have no intelligence whatsoever. They were not sure if he was even able to communicate in any way due to the, due to the deformed nature of his face. And people were cruel and... Um, they thought he must not have even any feelings of any kind, any emotions, any sense of being a real person. He was so deformed, they thought he was surely subhuman. So he wound up in the sideshows of London, lived a very demeaning life where he was considered a freak, just someone or something to be gawked at. Until one day, a man named Sir Frederick Treves heard of the Elephant Man. Treves was a doctor. He was a lecturer at the London Medical College. And when he heard of the Elephant Man, he thought of him as a specimen that he could study. His interest was in doing research and examining the body and its abnormalities. So he took the Elephant Man into his lab and into the medical hospital for study. And yet something happened as Treves worked on the elephant man. Day in and day out, Treves took care of this man. And he began to develop a very deep compassion for the man and the ailments that he had. The doctor began to think he might actually could help him in some way. He didn't know how, but surely something could be done. Hospital policy did not permit incurables to be admitted permanently, so the hospital administrator demanded that Treves demonstrate why there would be any reason at all to continue to keep the elephant man in the hospital, this freak, this worthless monster. Treves realized he would have to demonstrate that the elephant man could think or maybe even had some ability to speak. So the doctor began a crash course to try to prepare the elephant man to meet the hospital administrator who would decide his fate. The doctor began to try to teach him some sentences and got it where he would repeat sentences after him. Very brief, basic phrases, but Treves would say a phrase and the elephant man would repeat it. And one of the ones they practiced over and over was verse 1 of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So the time came for the administrator to do this evaluation. And as he was asking the questions, the responses the elephant man gave seemed to be very rote, just memorized phrases or just a repeating of what the doctor was saying right there in front of him. The administrator was unimpressed and left the room. The door to the exam room had closed and 
the doctor and the administrator stood outside in the hall as they began to talk about the immediate dismissal that would be required of the elephant man. But as the two men stood there in the hall, they heard a voice back in the exam room. And it said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But this time the elephant man wasn't just echoing the doctor, repeating what was being said in front of him. The doctor wasn't even in the room. And then something even more amazing happened. He said, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. And he began to recite the rest of the psalm, which the doctor had never practiced with him. And he spoke out ever more forcefully, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And he finished by saying, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, as a child, Joseph Merrick, the elephant man, had been read the 23rd Psalm by his mother. And when the times were hard for the mother and the sick little child, she would tell him that God would be with him no matter what. That he didn't have to fear evil, for God the shepherd was with him and would be his comfort and give him rest and show him goodness and his love towards him. And at this point of desperation for the elephant man, when all seemed to be lost, it was the goodness of God and his mercy and the hope of the shepherd being with him that resonated so deeply in his soul that he was able to recall what his mother had recited to him so many years ago. Wherever we find ourselves in life, Whatever we go through, the highest of highs, the lowest of lows, God is the shepherd who is with us. I shall not want. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We can't begin to fathom your love that is so deep and wide and big and great. Lord, a love that it came to this earth to die on the cross for us. Love in the form of a man named Jesus. We thank you for sending your son to die for us on the cross that we could be saved. Lord, for the life that you give us forever and the life that you give us now in the here and now Lord, the hope that is with us every moment of the day and through the night. So we praise you and thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand.